Hi, and welcome back to the How to Decorate podcast from Ballard Designs. We want to teach you how to decorate your home and unleash your inner decorator. So we'll be interviewing interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world, sharing the trials and triumphs of our own homes, and also answering your decorating questions. I'm Caroline. I run the Ballard Designs blog, How to Decorate. And I'm Taryn, and I am on the product design team at Ballard. And I'm Karen Mooney, and I head up branding at Ballard. And we're your hosts. Hi. Let's do our trials and triumphs. Who wants to go first? Taryn has a list, so I think she should go first. You're prepared. Welcome. Welcome to Taryn's life. Today. <laughs> um, <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Okay. My triumph. I, or no, I like to start with the triumph. Okay. okay. End on a high note. Okay. So after like two plus years of going through my supply of contacts, I finally was like, all right, I've stretched these as far as they can go. I need to go to the eye doctor. Yes. I oh, eye contacts. I thought you meant like, <gasps> like phone con- contacts. Yes. I'm like, what are you talking about? Okay, got it. Well, now so that you, everyone's you're blind. Yes. Yeah, I love everyone that your whole career too. is based on you seeing things and then designing things, but you can't see anything because you haven't had the right prescription for three years. Uh, no. <laughs> Like I feel like in your twenties, you just let all that slide. You're like, I'm I'm invincible. True. And then I'm now hitting <laughs> that point where I'm like, I think I'm a little less invincible. Um, <laughs> and eyes is one of those that yesterday the news was very true as well. Where I went in and I was like, my contacts haven't been that great, but I've been wearing them for like two months. She's like, you know, those are two weekers that you're stretching for the oh, two I months. Know. And I, was like, I was like, mm. well, first off, then I probably can't complain. Um, and then second, she was telling me though, because of that, that I had some kind of scratches and such on the front part of my eye, she could see. And she showed me on a chart, like these images. Of Wait, what, on your eyeballs? Like on the back of my eyelid, what it, like all this, st- anyway, because anyway, so she of course was like, well, we need, you need to take a break from your contacts to get your eyes back to normal. You need to put in cold eye drops every two hours and wear your glasses for a month. That's why you have your cute Jenna Lyons glasses on today. So, yes. <laughs> and I looked at her because there's a lot – I have a lot of events coming up. You're that, like, that does not jive with my style. <laughs> it doesn't. These – the glasses I have are very black, thick. They are gentle, They are like the Jenna Lyons. Yes. Mm-hmm. They're I, a statement. Yes. They're fierce. And I don't have any more subtle ones to go with soft colored dresses mm. or like what I was planning on wearing. And I have this very um, – with glasses, I only wear them – in the evenings. I don't – I wear my contacts most of the time. So I have this very perceived idea of glasses that I'm dressed down. Oh, No matter same. what my outfit, how much makeup, how I do my hair, I can do it as, you know, my – what I think is my, like, best look. And I put on glasses, I'm still like – Yeah. Which, again, it's a perceived thing I have, but I need to – No, it's true, Taryn. No, oh. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think it's the way my hair gets, look adorable. like, stuck behind – I don't know. Well, thank you. No, I agree. Anyway. I feel the same way. So I was like, so can we fudge this till January and then I'll follow this till I was like in January, I'll like, I'll take the whole month off and wear my glasses. But also why this is a trial. I have a 10 month old at home who has- Wants ripped, to grab your glasses? Wants to rip the glasses off anytime I wear them. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> last night, of course, New I got toy. from the eye doctor and I was like, all right, I'm putting them on like straight from work and, you know, I'm putting on my glasses. And all evening, he looked at me and smiled and then reached. At first, you're like, he's smiling at me. No, no. he's smiling because he sees the glasses. Oh, so anyway, that's really cute. That's why it's my trial. 
I guess I'm going to be in glasses for a little while. So So is the triumph the fact that your glasses are super cute? Yes. It should be. <laughs> I think there's actually a little baby fingerprints all over them I need to scrub off. No, my triumph is I think I've talked about um, this uh, Instagram person I follow. It's a comedian, Celeste Barber. No, who makes I don't fun think you of have the one. so she's a comedian and she's from England and she makes fun of all the celeb photos that are absolutely ridiculous and acts them out and she has she all tags right. her husband who's up. she calls hot husband and he has his own Instagram and he actually is a very attractive and she's like <laughs> this funny anyway she's a comedian and she's doing this tour because her career is obviously taking off from being this like jokester and so I'm going to see her tonight. <gasps> And she is so funny. <laughs> Read all the captions. Y'all are laughing and both looking. Because yeah, I'm not even paying attention to you amazing. anymore. I'm looking at Celeste. Oh, my God. The Miley Cyrus one with the fan. All of them are fantastic. Me. The videos are fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> the I'm comments. Sorry. I know. I told you. So we're going to see her tonight, and I'm so excited. I don't know what she'll do as a, like, a skit <laughs> or whatever, but... Oh my gosh, you two are both literally just staring yeah, at your phone. I've, I've tuned you out. No. <laughs> this is pretty good. This so is good. follow her. She'll okay. be good for a laugh. And her hot husband. Um, while we're doing funny ones, just go ahead. Do you follow uh Kirby Jenner with a K? <laughs> Kirby. I don't know. It sounds familiar. I think I've talked about that one too because it's another it funny one that he self-imposes himself in all of the Kardashian photos <laughs> and he has the funniest uh, little comments too. Oh my God. These are so I love that this hilarious. has nothing to do with interior design. Nothing. It's but, a break. But you know what? Someone com- someone left a review in podcast. Thank you, whoever you are. You're awesome. And said that they got good Instagram um, Oh, yeah. Call out. Recommendations yeah, um, from the show. So there you go. It's on topic. Mm-hmm. Wait, all, between all those beautiful home photos, tell me you do not want need a to break. laugh. Need I need a, break. a good laugh. And mm-hmm. so those are two of my favorites for a good chuckle. Mm-hmm. And you're welcome. I just helped your careers on Instagram. And I got a review that said that I needed to stop talking. <laughs> So Karen actually has no trials or triumphs. Thank you. <laughs> that was my trial. The one in the reviews called me up by name and said, Karen, stop telling jokes and let the designers talk. So I'm going to work on that, ladies. <laughs> no, I think this this uh, this actual episode is very it's, – it's a very informative episode. So Okay, good. I agree. Well, was I, I there? You, you <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You weren't there, so we talked yeah. very on, – on design. No. All right, fine. Um, okay, so – oh, should I go next? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so I'm, I'm an ever and never-ending saga of my basement. Um, so <sighs> did I tell you that we're putting in a kegerator? No, no. But that's awesome. What? Okay, so – Also, I feel that's very brave with an 18-year-old son. Well, you can lock them say. apparently. Oh, okay. Which I did not know. My that's husband told thing. me. Um, but the other thing is that – you can put Prosecco in it. <gasps> well. So we're getting a dual tap so you can have beer and Prosecco. <gasps> on tap? On tap. Stop it. Oh, my gosh. We cannot record at the office ever again. <laughs> I mean it. Won't that be fun? <gasps> that is the most awesome thing I've ever heard. Uh-huh. And, wait. Uh-huh. How does one do that? Like You just it- buy – you have to buy the tanks. So she's going to buy tanks of Prosecco. Yeah. Oh, my God. I didn't know that. I know. Life I'm going to keep y'all posted on it. Oh, we'll come taste it. Taste oh, I know you will. Wait, okay. So let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. My dad has has a kegerator. Yeah. Can I buy him yeah. a tank of Prosecco? And I just- think so. Um, 
I don't know if I don't. Yeah, sort, I'm sure you'd have but... to clean lines. Like this has a dual tap, so you can have one that's beer and one that's prosecco, or you can have one that's all beer, or you know okay. whatever. Right. Um, but yeah, I think so. Google. So it, it has to already the, the keg grader he has are to already have to. No, no, you'd have to take out his beer, and then okay. replace it. I totally think you should call the keg grader company and ask these questions. And you can just Google that, it because it'd be awesome. Because I want the I want the prosecco for myself. Yes, obviously. <laughs> oh, I know. When you're home at Christmas and you're just right? like to the tap, I go. It's like. <laughs> 10 a.m. on Christmas morning, I'm you're like, sure. Anywhere? Yeah, totally. that would make for a very unproductive holiday season, but I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> so that's my triumph, I guess. My trial is that my husband and I are going back and forth about it because um, he doesn't want to like build it in to the cabinetry. Like you can get an under counter, like slot, yeah. you know, one that mm-hmm. will you can build in. And he's like, it'll just sit in the corner. I'm like, we're we're designing this whole basement. Mm-hmm. Everything's custom. Why wouldn't you just build it in? Mm-hmm. Why would we have some random thing sitting in the corner? You guys, we have like gone a dorm room back and forth. He's like, it's a bar. It's fine. I'm like, uh, you, uh, I don't even know how to answer that. It's like beyond my comprehension. Well, because again, if it's you'd not already like, built this out and yeah. the room was finished and then you add it, then sure, I get it. then it's too much work. But if you're just. All you have to do is incorporate it into the cabinetry. I don't know, you guys. I mean, we um, have we have duked it out on this, and I'm not winning. So last night I was just like, you know what? I don't care. And I had to sort of walk yeah, away from it. Yeah. Because honestly, this is supposed to be his bar, and I, as he says, I have hijacked it. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what? I'm like, darling, no, I haven't. It's beautiful. Um, so I'm I'm – I'm gonna just relax. Can I just point out that he is like really lucky to even have a bar in his house to begin with? So I feel like <laughs> I you, you want to say a beautiful wife like Karen. I agree. She was not going down that road. I thought she was. <laughs> okay, yeah. well that's fair too. <laughs> I'm just saying most men don't have their own like whole man basement, and so if he, you want it to be slightly aesthetically more pleasing, I don't see it's both of your homes. See, I can take the Joe approach. It's the main focus is that you have one, and that's fantastic. Right. If I can find the tap, the better <laughs> chances of me hanging around. So yeah. in the corner, I can find the tap myself mm-hmm. versus behind in the cabinet. Yeah, but it's you're not hiding those taps. They, like, come yeah, up. Yeah, they and do stick up. They won't be hidden. Yeah, it's not like it's invisible. There. I'm just – Yeah. we got to give Joe something. I, this is his one thing. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, mark it. This is it. That's all he gets. So okay. done, well. done, and done. So I'll let you guys know. I, maybe I should give you some um, updated photos of the progress of the basement, so you can see what's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Send mm. photos. Mm-hmm. If you follow me on Instagram, my tree, my Christmas tree, I've, has become a whole saga, and I am obsessed with it. And so I just have to tell you all about it. Okay, so I got a silver tipped fir. Mm-hmm. It's one of those ones that has like. Not that many branches, you know? Yeah. Where'd you um, get it? Didn't Jenny Branch get one too? Jenny Branch she got was, one too. yeah, talking about it on location the other day. Our um, stylist, Jenny Branch. Yes. And Jenny Branch, well, she was talking about hers. And then we went to the tree farm and I was like, oh, I do kind of love those. So we got one. So you had and, to go to a tree farm. Sorry. We went to Pikes. Like Pikes oh, is a nursery. nursery? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. But I just meant like the tree. The tree lot, I guess, yeah. is what I meant. The lot. Anyway, so we got this a silver tipped fur, which is so pretty. But I flocked the tree myself. <gasps> and was it hard? No. Was it messy? 
Yes. I love the look. Um, it – well, so, okay. we went, And Will at first was like, why are, you, why are we going to buy this extra expensive tree and then you're going to flock it? Like, what is the, the difference? Mm-hmm. And you can also have the tree lot flock it for you. I don't like the ones pre-flocked because they basically send it through a machine uh-huh. and it literally coats every single part of the tree. Even the actual trunk is uh, flocked too. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like it looks very spray painted. <laughs> huh? What did Processed. You yeah. Yeah. And it's pretty. I don't hate that look, but you I do. guess in my head, I wanted it to look like it was naturally snowed on. You know uh-huh. what I mean? And so it's doing it yourself. You can kind of like control that. So you can kind of dust it. And then I like to build up the snow oh on the, on the, like the tips of okay, the edges. Tell us how we do this. Yeah. I've got to look on your Instagram right now because I haven't seen okay, it. It looks you go, gorgeous. She if had you a go to my it. stories and you, I have like one story and it's in there. Okay. Um, but basically it comes in a powder. I ordered it on Amazon and you have like a, well, first I started using like a little. Did you need only one pack, pack of flocking? I think it's like a five pound box. Okay. Um, I didn't use a whole one the whole box, but it's just a powder. You mist your tree down. So I just with use water. Like, move with water. Yeah. I just use my hose. Um, and then you take like a strainer and you just dust the tree all over and you can just like add on wherever you want. Like I'm my- like jaw dropped. So wait, you just piled it heavier. Like you just let on it on certain spots. Yes. And so in my mind, did if you have, you have a quickly? snowfall, then like the edges are the heaviest, right? Mm-hmm. And then center the farther you get down is the lightest. So you can kind of like imitate what it would really look like if it were snowed on mm-hmm. with uh-huh. the fake snow. Mm-hmm. Then once you've dusted it all on there, you mist it again and it hardens completely. So it doesn't get your house all covered in white oh, stuff. Oh, it doesn't? That's what I thought Maybe too. a little bit. Maybe a little bit. Did you have to let it dry outside and then you took mm-hmm. it in? Um, um, Caroline, this is super cool. It's super cute. Because I just remember um, – Like the 70s version. Yeah, well, it was a spray can. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm, girl. I have She's used so that as well. You. Wow. And you weren't even alive probably when they did that. No. I have used the spray can before. <laughs> and in my experience, the spray can, it comes off. This hardens. So this is like chunks now on your yeah. tree. Yeah. It's also probably terrible for you. <laughs> but whatever. Don't eat it. Um, this is also <laughs> this is also the second tree that I've done this year because I did one on location. In July – Eight months pregnant. So Ooh. I feel like I deserve props for that. <laughs> but um, anyways, it looks so pretty. And then also I just ordered a bunch of glass icicles on Amazon mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. and covered the tree in the glass icicles last night. And it Did you looks post a photo of that? So pretty. I haven't posted no, it. No, I, I was just looking. I'm going to um, – It's just a bunch of baby photos. You're that mom. <laughs> She's that mom. Ugh. There are three baby photos. sarcasm. I only – um, but I'm going to post, I'm, we're having a Christmas party this weekend and I'm going to post all of my photos. I'm going to, once I get my house like fully there, mm-hmm. then I'll mm-hmm. post photos. But the icicles look amazing because I tied them to the ends of the, um, Branch. branches. So they're like dripping off the ends. Pretty. Looks really, really good. But here's my trial. Um, we, <laughs> so the summer is when we shoot our Christmas stuff for Ballard. And I did this one shot for something, and it was basically like a tangle of um, Christmas lights. Mm-hmm. Well, so in in an effort to not have our studio team have to go dig through all the Christmas gear, 
I brought my own own Christmas lights. Oh, Caroline, you're a giver. (laughs) And I, and then I also did this thing where I like wrapped them, like I doubled up a strand. So I like wrapped two strands together and like wove them together. So Will, of course, gets the Christmas light. He's like, I'll do the Christmas lights, you know, because we have, we have Blair. So we like, we can't, Mm -hmm. we've, it's been like a three day process of doing our tree Mm because we can only do it in like 30 minute increments. (laughs) So he's like, I'll do the Christmas lights. <laughs> I come back 30 minutes later and he's sitting there like oh unwinding gosh. the Christmas lights. And he's like, what happened what did to you our- do the what, what? Where did this happen? What evil like, person put them away these- like Let this? me ask this like, though about oh, the lights that. on the tree. Mm-hmm. Because the light strands are green. Did, mm-hmm. Does it look bad with the flocking? No. Now, I think I – there's still big sections of the tree. Like you can still see the green okay. through the white. Uh-huh. If I if it was like the kind of the tree lot where they pre flock it for you uh-huh. and it's like all white, then it would look weird. Yeah, you would yeah. want white okay. lights. So you don't but, wrap every branch in lights. You sort of tuck them in the center or something. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now for the silver tipped fir, because it's not as full as a regular tree, I did put the lights on kind of funny. Like there's probably like six to eight inches of space in between each sort branch, of layer yeah. branch. Mm-hmm. So I applied the lights from the underside of the section mm-hmm. so that the lights came up through the top versus sitting them on top, if that makes sense. How did you attach them underneath? Yeah, how did you apply like just them? just kind of like wove them into the needles. Like when you put the – Man, you, when you you I bet you're fl- happy this is a long Christmas season this year because that tree's going to draw this work. Will's like, you're really, really you're over-engineering this, aren't you? <laughs> like you're getting really particular. But I don't know. It's just the thing I'm fixating on right now. <laughs> but – um. Know. Anyways, our trees, our tree lights were all tangled and Will untangled them after like an hour. And then we turned them on that each of them are half dead. <laughs> so then we had to go buy more Christmas lights. And my new Christmas lights I don't like very much. They're they're too bright. Mm. Like I think are now they LED or something? they're the LED ones and they're warm. They're technically warm white. But when you compare them side by side with my old Christmas lights that were a lot Not. more yellow – I just don't like them as much. But, oh, well. Yeah. I didn't want to have to go back. No. At this point, I was After like, you I had just- engineered them onto every branch, you kidding? No uh-huh. way. Mm-mm. Get a yellow so- Sharpie and color each bulb. <laughs> Perfect. There you go. <laughs> That's not much work. No. It's fine. It's worth it. It's totally so, worth it. Anyways, it still looks really pretty, even though I wish there was a way to put my tree on a dimmer. Is there not? I don't know. Maybe there's a way I can do that. They're I, just like too bright. You know what I mean? I wish I could like I'm dim sure them there a little is, bit. You can buy, well, you can buy lamp dimmers mm-hmm. that you just plug your cord into that thing mm-hmm. and then it dims. So I bet you can just plug your thing into that and dim it. Okay. And yeah. also they have the remote controls. So you can mm. just remote control it on and off. This. It's on Amazon. Yeah. It's got 4.7. Okay. Stars. Yeah. So you're golden. You're so welcome. So is it – is it a Christmas tree dimmer or is it just, no, it's a, just dimmer? a light dimmer? I bet. Yeah, like it's a plug-in. Plug-in dimmer. That you then plug your you just plug your string lights, lights into your it. Your string lights into. Are we it. sure that'll work for string lights? No, but it's probably eight dollars. You better either. Yeah, you can return it if it doesn't work, or put it on another. I think layout. it's worth it. All right, I might have to do worth that it because it's like just a little bit too bright. That'd be so. perfect. But it looks badass, that and I amazing. am obsessed with my tree. That's that cool. Is my, both my trial and triumph. I ended up buying a fake tree from Grandin Road since all of my holiday decorations are in storage. Yeah. Are you happy with it? Does it look good? It hasn't arrived yet. Okay. But it's tall and skinny and flocked. So I'm excited oh, about the flock part. And that's it's already pre-lit. Awesome. Oh, that's fantastic. So I'm thinking next year I can yeah. just put it in my kitchen. 
you know, after yeah. I use it this year. Yeah. Cute. Is it like a full size or it's is seven it short? feet tall? Oh, okay. Um, but it is skinny. So I think that'll be kind of yeah. fun looking. You can put it in the corner or something. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, cool. All right. Update us later. I will. Okay. Um, so let's get to our guest. Yeah. Andrew Kogar and Kristen Kong of Historical Concepts. And we're going to ask them all of our questions about designing and building from the ground up. Exactly. Yay. We are very excited to have a pair of guests today. <laughs> we have Andrew Kogar and Kristen Kong. Um, Andrew is a architect for historical concepts here in Atlanta. And Kristen is an interior designer here in Atlanta. And y'all have worked together very closely on a couple of projects. Yes, yes we have. Mm-hmm. So we're excited to talk to you about the balance of architecture and design together and how those two really work because we've actually never had an architect on the podcast before. Yeah, Yeah, I think this is good insight. I'm really excited because talking to a lot of designers, Mm -hmm. they they go back to the architecture. And so Mm -hmm. to actually hear from your side how it kind of like. Yeah, how does it work? Yeah. Right. Because how do you not hate each other? Uh, No, actually, it's it's the exact opposite. I think um, I think the coming out of the recession changed the client's perception of how the process worked and their patience. And I think that was the best thing that could have happened for architects and designers in that it allowed us to really kind of pull the team together at the beginning of projects to include the landscape architects in many cases as well. And I think if you get the right team, it's not a competition or, or either. And the truth is interior designers win that competition all day long because mm-hmm. they're with the clients until the very end, <laughs> not us. But I think that um, there are, there's a lot of a lot of instances where interior design is pushing their architectural solutions and vice versa. And I think if we stay as architects open to that discovery, there's just a lot more we can do for the clients because it's complete thought. It's not a layered thought. It's a complete thought mm-hmm. in, in its entirety. But Andrew, how did the recession make that happen? I think during the recession, it just slowed people down. It was a reset. So I oh. think when we, you know, the, the amount of projects that came through, the ones that still kept moving forward were more, fo- more focused on quality. It was less about commodity. I mean, there was a lot of kind of that flip mentality. Yeah, overbuilding. That, so, I mean, the clients that stayed with us were really excited about making it count, making quality count. And I think that everyone's dockets cleared a little bit enough where we could all get on the same page from the beginning. And I think... There's just a, a trend in people seeing that that was a really good thing. Um, and so we've been able to keep that moving forward. In fact, we that's the only way we want to move forward is with the, with the clients having the full team from the beginning. So, okay, I just want to maybe like back up a little bit and, um, well, <laughs> and talk a little bit about like historical concepts, y'all's approach to – because you're doing some – um, restoration. You're doing some renovation. You're doing some new builds. So, like, what? Talk to us about, like, what that historical part means. I guess. Um, sure. Actually, most of our work is actually new construction. But what it really, what we really try and do, and our kind of buzzword is appropriate. We want to make sure that um, if it's a from the ground up, that the house fits in as a good neighbor amongst its community. I mean, in Atlanta, mm-hmm. for example, a lot of great historic neighborhoods. That's important. You you want to make sure you're a good neighbor. You want to make sure that you play off of the design that's already in the street. When we're doing a renovation, we're trying to make sure that we're bringing forward the best of what's already in the house and adding mm-hmm. to it for lifestyle. 
style as well as design. But there's more often than not, especially any house kind of built before the 30s and 40s, there's a lot of great character and a lot mm-hmm. of great artisanship, craftsmanship and value in the house that, that I think needs to be left in place as much as possible. You can pull it forward, you can change the design, but that's where there's a lot of value that the clients have already paid for. So it's our job to, to build off of that. So the historical part mm-hmm. of it is really more about being students of the past and, and bringing it forward. Um, I think that also makes us great collaborators because a lot of times we're not trying to start from a from a clean slate from a design standpoint. You know, we're looking to history, we're looking to region, mm-hmm. we're looking to, to the neighborhood. And I think when you're building in that way, it makes it natural for collaboration because it's a shared dialogue. I mean, we, right. for, for the projects that we've worked on, we're already mm-hmm. looking at the history of the house. We're looking at what would have occurred in that timeline. We're looking right. at the client's needs and then we're kind of fusing that and bringing mm-hmm. it forward. Mm-hmm. But I think what Andrew does and what his you know team does is, is a little bit special because I mm-hmm. think what I notice about you know the city, which I'm sure is is evident in a lot of cities, is that you need an architect that has some, I guess, historical integrity. That you're not just letting a client run and say, "Well, you know, but I like this arts and crafts, and I like this Georgian," you know, and it's this big right. sort of jumbled mess. Honestly, at the end of the day, so having somebody to guide you. Um, who is looking to the past, but has the knowledge to help you make those correct decisions. It's going to be a cohesive narrative, not a mad lib. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> sometimes it right. easily be a mad We lib. need you in my neighborhood. <laughs> like, around the corner, my neighbor's like, did you see the um, CVS or the urgent care that just went in with the weird, like, it was, like, super it's mom. It's a house that like, looks like a CVS. It just doesn't. It doesn't awesome. fit. Right. Like, yeah. Wait, it's a house right. that looks like a CVS? Mm-hmm. That's their joke. And I was like, yeah, I know it which does. one you're saying. You don't <laughs> have to tell you me which one. You know exactly. Like your joke goes, yes. Right. So that's great. Right. That, right. But um, how do you deal with clients who, like, I have neighbors two doors down. I'm sure they don't listen, so I can talk about them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but when we ask them about, you know, what they built, they were like, well, we just did it as big as we possibly could because why not? It didn't cost that much more to do it. And I'm just like groaning, like, oh, it just mm-hmm. looks ridiculous tell, on right. my street. Right. Yeah. And right. what do you do with clients who are like, well, you know, for another 50000 we can add so much more square feet or whatever. Mm. I think, yeah, fortunately, I think a lot of the people that come to us already get it that it's about quality, uh-huh. not commodity. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But even with the ones that aren't sure, they they can't articulate why they like some of the things that we're doing or why they like the neighborhood that they're in. It's our job to, to kind of bring that out of them. Uh, I, I think mm-hmm. a lot of people know what they want. Um, and if they could articulate it, we might not have jobs. So it's, right. Right. it's, it's, you know, it's on us to kind of educate totally. them and go through that. And then mm-hmm. – and, that is tough because especially with Pinterest and a lot of social media now, the access to great images isn't the problem. It's it's stringing them together. So right, right. kind of telling them, no, it's not – you don't – this isn't wrong why you like this, but this is how these three go together and this is why this one doesn't fit and going right. through that history. And, and then just explaining it in terms of scale and proportion I think mm-hmm. is also another way mm-hmm. to be able to work with them on that. But it requires a lot of drawing. We have to – seeing is believing, so we have to do a lot of – interior sketches and perspectives and really kind of guide them through the experience mm-hmm. as opposed just to the nuts and bolts of the drawings. I mean, that's what people need, you know, because they can't visualize. Right. I mean, you know, they can't look at plans like we can look at plans and know that what that space is going to feel like. And, you know, and that is why they're hiring us. So, you know, it is important, I think, 
you know, because I, of course, get the same thing that Andrew does. I mean, here's like my 50 Pinterest boards and, <laughs> and you know, I get it too. I'm, I like all different styles, you know, but you have to be able to sort of help them prioritize and help them see that there needs to be a common thread, that, you know, common vocabulary of the house and the interiors and that it needs to feel, like Andrew said, you know, very cohesive, that, you know, it, it just needs to be integrated. It, mm-hmm. You know, you hate to feel like you can tell that's an add-on or you can tell that that was an afterthought. You know, we don't, we don't like to produce products like that. Right. <laughs> well, it's like when someone shows up in an outfit and you're like, it almost looks yes. like a costume on them because it's not anything like they would usually wear. Right. You know, it, like it's your, your whole wardrobe fits together because it, it's a cohesive thing and your house has to sort of be the same way, I'm right. guessing. Right. I always like to relate it back to my clothing. Yes, <laughs> yes. Well, no, I mean, it's true. You know, so incredible. how does the process start for um, a client with you, with both of you? Well, a lot of times, you know, the client's going to go hire an architect first Mm -hmm. because that's what they understand. We're building, you know, a new house. We're doing a major renovation. Um, You know, we need an architect. So, you know, luckily, having worked with Andrew, you know, he may give me a call and say, hey, we have this job that's come up and we think you'd be a good fit and and bring, bring our team on early. And I would say, I mean, you know, Historical Concepts is great about that. I, I mean, coming out of commercial architecture, an interior designer is a lot of times a second class citizen. So they're not, we're not often brought on early enough. And it's unfortunate because, you know, I'm not trying to do what Andrew's doing and he's not, we're trying to work together to make the project as the best it can be. And I'm going to see things differently than he's going to see things. You know, he's looking for certain things and I'm looking for certain things. So, you know, being able to come together early enough where you're, you know, you're looking at how the furniture from an interior standpoint, how those things are going to lay out with the architecture right. and making those decisions about even just small things like outlets. And, mm-hmm. But, you know, if an outlet's in the wrong place, like that can be sort of the bane of your existence when oh, you move yeah. in the house, you know. Yeah. Where, where where artwork's going, where yes. lighting's going, where the furniture layouts, I mean, within the box that we're designing, it can change so many different ways. And right. it's really the interior designers are the ones that have the best vocabulary and the best ability to bring the lifestyle into focus and mm-hmm. its shape. And once that is brought into shape, it becomes really um, much easier for us to shape the architecture and then to get to that next level of design. So instead of, instead of spending a lot of time trying to work with a client to get the lifestyle on the table, the interior designers are, are bringing that along. And then we can kind of take the detail that's going to be complementary to that to a whole nother level. And that, that's where it gets really exciting, I think. And it's a lot of fun because depending on that furniture layout, there's the door location could change. Right. The right, location right, could change. Right, right. And, and I think right, we, right. I love that foil. I love to be able to kind of work and play off of that because it's, it's a, it's a fun challenge, but I, I have a lot more confidence in the design for that specific client because the lifestyle has already been put on paper and thought through. And usually three different layers. Okay, this is how mm-hmm. I'm going to use it. This is how the kids are going to use it. This mm-hmm. is where the pets are going. This is what mm-hmm. happens when I have small group guests come over. This is when I have a big party. You know, th- those layers and thinking mm-hmm. that through, um, both from a service guest and, and householder mm-hmm. standpoint, mm-hmm. Um, this interior designers are much better equipped to do that. Service guest and householder? Is that what you just said? Yeah. Well, I mean, just thinking about it in terms of if you're going to have some people, help, like if you're catering, yeah. is, not yeah. everyone has that service aspect. Mm-hmm. I certainly don't, but, but there are times. <laughs> Once a year. I cater most. 
years. But there are times where that's important, and you want to think yeah. about that. Yeah. And then the homeowner right. is, you know, obviously going to live in the house for for themselves, family, and small groups. But then there's the guest experience, whether they're just there for a party or whether they're staying overnight. Mm-hmm. We're we're constantly going through those narratives, mm-hmm. putting ourselves in in their shoes. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that um, just the level of detail that you're thinking about right. in terms of. I mean, I mean we get down towels, to right sheets yeah, and towels. Yeah, where are you going to store your stuff. towels? Things mm-hmm. like All that. that. Yeah, All yeah. That. The mistakes I made renovating, you know, because I wasn't thinking about stuff right. like that. Like, oh, I need a linen closet. When you were renovating, did you do floor plans of your rooms? Yes. Okay. Yes. That that I think is like I've we've done plans for our house. Not that we're any we're doing them anytime soon, but um, I thought that was like the most fun part. And the fact that someone wouldn't do a floor plan like just totally boggles my mind. Like it's it's critical, you know, because like you said, like what what if your door opens in instead of out or something like that could totally change, or like you said, the the outlet or the door. I mean, yeah, we used to not even do inches for a sofa or something. We used to not do furniture plans. We'd say, oh, that the interior designer will do that, and we'll pass that down the line. Mm -hmm. Now, when we're working with interior designers, we're at least putting our thoughts on paper where some of that could go, so that there's a a instant dialogue. Right, and Mm -hmm. it's so it's so important. It seems obvious, but. The way that things worked even 15, uh-uh. 20 years ago was much more linear. Right, And, and right. now I think it's being co- cohesively put together. Well, I think people are realizing that what you get when you have the team from the beginning is spectacular. Right. As opposed to, gosh, we just spent all this money and I can't stand this in my kitchen and this in my, you know, mm-hmm. like. Expensive mistakes. It's expensive right. mistakes. Yeah. And yeah. so, and I think that, you know, having all the design publications and Pinterest and all this imagery that's out there, people are seeing it. Because that's the thing about great design. It's in the details and it's not necessarily something that you're going to walk in a room and say, oh, well, this looks really good because they did this, uh-huh. but it feels good, and you know that it feels yeah, good. Yeah, you don't really know why. You sometimes. don't know why. Yeah. yeah. Well, what do you do when um, – what what should listeners do if they're working with an architect and they suggest to him or her, you know, well, should we partner with an interior designer? And they're like, bow up about it. You know what I'm saying? Do people do that? I mm-hmm. uh, The hesitancy I've heard is cost or timing. Mm-hmm. And I think the timing is they know that they're going to have to do some homework. Right. And for mm-hmm. us, um, delaying that is procrastination is never really that good. So we try, we, we'll be patient and we won't force the issue right away, but we, um, we're persistent. No, I'm saying if like I'm working with you and I say to you, after I listen to this brilliant podcast, <laughs> hey, I feel like we should partner early on with an interior designer. And you say back to me, oh, we don't need that. You can just do that later down the road. Should you just ditch that architect and move on? <laughs> <laughs> I, it would send up a red flag. I, I think mm-hmm. it, because that if they're not open to having that conversation um, – now as opposed to later i mean they're only going to get more defensive later mm-hmm. after the creation has kind of been realized and, and it's being challenged from a lifestyle standpoint or from a aesthetic standpoint so it won't get won't get better over time i i do think it'd be a red flag i mean you'd want to know why right. I, because to me it's only beneficial to work with interior designers now it is important we, when we're working with clients we will insist that they talk to an interior designer there's times where the scope maybe they can't afford it it's too small it doesn't make sense but even then we'll still ask and we'll kind of push it and we'll try and help them as much as we can but on larger scale projects i mean it's just protecting their own investment sure and avoiding those costly mistakes um, we'll give them a recommendation of two or three based on scope and personality but we really we take a more passive role in that 
that client has to own that relationship with the interior designer. It has mm-hmm. to be organic. It can't be a forced marriage. Right. I mean, it's got to be something they feel comfortable with. Right. And um, it, it really comes down to just as much, not more personality in some cases and relationship For sure. and then, then necessarily talent. I mean, and that's, that's important. It's a three-year-plus Yes, easily. That and that's right. the thing I think people, you know, it's important, obviously, to have a great architect. But like Andrew said earlier, I mean... Once you get to a certain point, you're not really going to see the architect much, but you will be with that designer for a long time. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, and it is, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, I say a delicate relationship sometimes. I mean, you are in people's homes, you are in their personal business, you're in their finances, Mm -hmm. you're in their marriages, you're in their closet, (laughs) their underwear drawers. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, so it it can be difficult, you know, I mean, especially because I think everybody realizes that building a home or major renovations can put stress on a relationship, oh, stress yes. on a family. Um, and so being that person that's in the middle of all that, you know, yeah. you just, um, I probably should have taken more psychology classes in college. <laughs> well, I say that all the time for architecture, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's circle back to this three-year thing. What? It takes, why does it take so long? What? Is it really three years? I mean, like, it can be. Yes, easily it can because, be for because, custom. Yeah, rooms. you're for, for a for custom like, house. I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm coming from scratch. I have a lot for a renovation, though. Even even a year is not mm-hmm. uh, uncommon. I mean, mm-hmm. because you're doing design and pre-design and kind of getting started on scope and mm-hmm. and you know that can easily take you know even for a smaller remodel or renovation two to four months. It, where, where it takes yeah because you plan for a few months and then you work permit do some construction right. for a few you know and yeah. then you have to de- so where, decorate. Where does it get you? Right. <laughs> Well, I mean, it, it really what I what I kind of chuckle about is that um, it, this is a major investment for people. And why would you? Why are you rushing? Why 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 rush it? Right, especially when they're the ones that are kind of coming up to speed with how to read plans, how to read drawings. I mean, this isn't what they do. So there's a little bit of um, of a learning curve to understand kind of what we're throwing at them. And and I want to give clients time to absorb and really truly understand. I don't want them to just go on blind faith. I mean, I think we could still do a great project, yes. but I don't think that they'll have the same personal uh, emotional investment and it won't have the same functionality because what can be perfectly functional for one person doesn't work for another. Right. And so because it's not black and white like that, why would you rush it? And even when, because we, we can ramp up, we're a sizable firm. We have 40 plus people. Um, we can certainly hit those deadlines, but it just, it doesn't do them a service if they're not, if they're not obtaining it. And then the reality is they're, People's schedules are packed. True. I mean, they say, oh, yeah, let's get it done in four weeks. Well, they can't meet for four right. weeks. Right. So, I mean, with the economy the way it is, you can't even get craftsmen no. to come out. Everyone's very bold. There's, a, there's a high Everyone demand is. there, too. Yes. Yeah. So I think, right now it's a little bit. Yeah, it's tough. It, it's about being on track. It's about making progress and moving forward. But I think to arbitrarily rush it is, is a mistake. And, that, and that's where that trust comes in. That's where that relationship comes in. So that's mm-hmm. where it's a year plus. <laughs> right, I also right. thought when I did my renovation, I'm getting ready to renovate my basement as well. Um, I like to sit with the plans. Like the architect gave me the plans. Mm-hmm. I looked at them. I kind of lived with them a little while. I walked through them in my mind and really nitpicked it and then went back to him and we did, did another round. Or You know what I mean? Not not just a change for change, but like right. how am I going to live in it and what's going to work for me? And it helped me, I think, ultimately switch a few things around and rethink a few things that – made the house more livable for sure. When, when clients yeah. realize that they're really truly are part of the design team and can mm-hmm. take that time, not that they have to have the answers, but can take the time to understand what's being presented and ask questions, they're going to get such a better value for their dollar. Yeah. It's uh, 
I mean, that's great that you were able to do that because I think that's when we have the best right. results with clients. It's all about communication. I mean, obviously, a trust is a big component because you have to, you know, you do have to kind of hand over the reins a little bit. But to me, it's a collaborative project, not just from the standpoint of the professionals involved, but from the home homeowners as well. I mean, it just, this isn't my house. That's what I always tell my clients. And I find, you know, the best projects are ones where they trust me, but I trust them to be very honest about, you know, how they're feeling about what we're doing. You know, I always say, if you don't love a piece, we're not going to put it in here because this is about everything that you love and it's all going to work together because you love everything that's going in there. Um, you're not going to hurt my feelings, but you know, it is, it's a hard job. People show you a couple pictures and then you have to come in and say, <laughs> well, here's everything, yeah. you know? So, yeah. I mean, I might have a couple misses, <laughs> like that might not be the chair that you love. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but it really has to be a collaborative process because at the mm-hmm. end of the day, it does. this is for them. But okay. I think that's the benefit of when we're working together as opposed when when you have that design and professional team together from the beginning, I think that even though there is homework involved for the client, we can still make it an enjoyable process mm-hmm. um, and have them involved and informed. But then we can also at the same time kind of stick to the design, the collaborative design that's been put together and jointly explain to the client. So right. where in the past, if it's a more linear process, the client may be in the middle of having to, well, do I listen to the architect or do I listen to the builder or do I listen to the interior right. designer? And even builders were Builder, recommended yes. bringing on mm-hmm. earlier too. Mm-hmm. Um, then you know you have this team of professionals that doesn't have ulterior motives. We're saying, no, this is what you've told us. Trust us. This is mm-hmm. where, where it is. And sometimes they do have to make some of those decisions because so they don't understand everything. Um, and I think when you have a unified voice in your consultants, mm-hmm. that that's I think that really is um, – Comforting and, and confidence building for clients. What do you do when a client won't stop? Won't be like won't stop changing or rethinking or is that a mistake or blah 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 blah. How do you reassure them those? Let it go. Let go. Let God. Sometimes you have to be a little firm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have found that because I mean there are clients and you just you know you not that you're firm in a negative way, but just you know listen, I get your vision. We have spent so much time together. You know, we as a team understand, you know, where you want this to go. And like Andrew said, we have your best interest at heart. You know, there is no ulterior motive to make this project bad. <laughs> we want you happy. <laughs> you know, right. right. We want you happy. We want to end at some point. Right. <laughs> um, we want to tell you. But, you know, but you just have to, you know, you have to trust us. This is the right decision, you know. And, I mean, it is hard because you do have, clients who, you know, they just worry, worry, worry. They overthink, overthink. I mean, I'm getting text messages at 4 a.m. I don't know if that's the right sofa, you know. And and then sometimes, you know, you have to put it into perspective. We're not saving lives here. Right. Right. (laughs) What can a client do to – that's thinking about doing this process. Mm -hmm. What can they do to prepare themselves even as, like, you know, to get ready to work with both of you Mm -hmm. kind of thing? Great question, Taryn. I think – while having imagery, I'll jump yes, in here first. No, no, but but while having imagery is helpful, and, and, and I would always encourage that. And we, and you know, it's gone from ripping out magazine pages to you know, pinning and and, and um, having all kinds of uh, digital files. I think that's important. But I would really ask them, and we do ask them to think more closely about lifestyle. And they don't necessarily. I don't. I don't need to know. I need a twenty by thirty living room or this size kitchen. I want to hear more day in the life. Like in mm-hmm. a lot of times using 
their existing house, which sounds horrific because that's the last thing that they want. That's why they're doing the new one. But using the existing house as kind of a, uh, a learning laboratory. Okay, so you're at the kitchen and you're putting on a, uh, a, a pot of water and you're getting ready to cook dinner. What um, what isn't working? What do you wish when you reach the right? What would you wish was there? Reach mm-hmm. the left? What do you wish was there? Um, you know, the dynamics of who's doing what in the house is right. totally different. Learning that, you know, and finding out who cooks on what day, or no one cooks, or both cook, or only one cooks. I mean, that's a big deal. Understanding pets, kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of those kind of rhythms of life, I think, are more important. That detail is more important for us to solve the problem than a specific paint color or, mm-hmm. or fabric color. I mean, it helps, but mm-hmm. when they can be honest with themselves on how they live, the quicker they can do that, the quicker we can get the best design. Right, not them. the dream life, so, the yeah. actual so life. The actual yeah. way yeah. you live. Because <laughs> I think it is hard to, because visually you see how you want to live, mm-hmm. but to be the re- like realistic about how do we... Right, like all the kids right. do their homework on the kitchen counter. Right. Like that or, is how we right. do it. Like I dump all my stuff by the front door, so yes. I'm gonna need some storage. Or, right. You, know. right. you can still have some aspirational qualities, but but I think that the more you can kind of stay true to who you are, we can package that and make it look yes. fantastic in, in a bunch right. of different ways. Right. You, can, you can make us look real good. <laughs> you can, you can make anything look good. Yes, yes. Can I make a suggestion? <gasps> yeah. Okay, so I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but. I, when we were doing our plans, my husband taught me how to use a scale. And you're obsessed with this scale. You love I, it. Well, okay. It's very She's important. She's yeah. my heart, though. She's yeah. awesome. I'm so excited. And, you know, because here's the somebody thing. not in the trade who knows you when scale. you're tra- mm-hmm. If you have a hard time visualizing it and you haven't seen elevations of every single wall, then being able to use your scale and say, like, okay, I know that, like, I can look at the plan and see that there's like a three feet foot walkway this way, or my grandmother's chest is going to fit on this wall. Right. Or you can draw your own. Yeah, you can kind of draw your own stuff in, and at least, you know, even if you've hired an interior designer, you can at least like answer some questions for yourself that maybe mm-hmm. you don't have to then mm-hmm. call your people. Every well, at four a.m. <laughs> is there like a little link we can give people on how to learn? I'm how sure, to use there's a, scale? a YouTube channel you've given me a great welcome kit idea for for our new clients i mean just that is a great idea literally just kind of walking them through the pencil the scale i mean just some of those pieces yeah the tricks of the trade and and gonna go through that because we take it for granted i think some some Mm -hmm. of those things and how we look at drawings how we read drawings right just explaining plan elevation section and then the scale that could be that yes that gets a little overwhelming a little tutorial <laughs> yeah well yeah because it's your life and we don't know anything about it right. Right, right and that's huge i mean that's why things work and things don't work because if you don't understand scale yeah. when you're that doing these up projects all the time with that's designers. a big problem yeah <laughs> it's like because the number one thing people cannot conceive of is right. is this going to fit is this going to work right yeah well and, you, and you're I, talking about scale not even just you know is this going to fit on the wall but how is this going to feel in the room right. how how tall are your ceilings like mm-hmm. it, it, you know is this going to be too small are my ceilings too tall you know mm-hmm. everything needs to feel you know, and that's really why I love residential design because, you know, I, I did a lot of time in commercial. I do some small commercial projects, but I love the human scale. I want the touch. I want the feel. I want that interaction. So it's, it's hugely important. Yeah. So where do you all butt heads between Ooh. between the architecture <laughs> and design? Like, where is it always like, no, I need this? It's got to happen this we, way. I don't know that we have really butt heads. No, I don't, I don't think we have. Gray area. No, what? No. <laughs> no, we yeah. something up. We want some because, because I hate again, that faucet. <laughs> but we're, <laughs> no. we're building the process together. I think there's candor. I don't think it's right. that we're all uh, – uh, right. there's been times where right. 
you said, mm. yeah. the eyebrow goes up. Like, oh, okay, maybe. You know. <laughs> but but that's that's healthy. I think that's a right. good dialogue. That's what you want. I want that. I want that honesty. sounding board. Right. I want that honest right. feedback. And then right. there's times where we get really excited about something. The client's the one cocking the eyebrow. And you're like, well, right. okay, we'll right. go a different direction. Well, that, that thing, yes, I will. I mean. I do think sometimes I think um, coming from, again, like a, a different, having worked in a different sort of field, I think understanding that as an interior designers that we're not just, you know, there is a difference between, deco- you know, decorators and designers. I mean, the schooling that I went through, you know, I draw floor plans. I'm registered by the state. I technically can stamp, you know, non-structural interior mm-hmm. renovations. But so we like to draw as well. You know, we do like to sketch and we like to, like you're saying, lay out the rooms and do the space planning. And, and so sometimes I think not with Andrew at all, but you know, that that's been pushback that, you know, sometimes architects, I feel like don't want to relinquish that. And that, that, that may be true. Um, I think as a, as a trend, I mean, it is true. I'm right. sure from what I hear, but funny, the funny part is I look back at the last 10 years, like our best collaborations have been with interior designers that either have an architecture background or an interior architecture background mm-hmm. because it's a shared dialogue and trust. I mean, I know that you know how to detail that. Right, and so right. it's when we're talking about it, it's right. not like bringing anyone up to speed on the whys or hows. It's really right. about the design. Right. Right. And, and, the, and where we're most challenged sometimes is with when we're collaborating with decorators, not designers, mm-hmm. because they're not understanding the space as complete. I mean, they, they're more informed than their clients, but maybe not as informed in terms of how the space gets built or shaped or sequence of construction. So it is kind of funny. Where, where you think there'd be maybe the most competition over that shared territory, uh-huh. I actually think it makes for the best dialogue and the best projects. Um, speaking of partnerships, um, I thought it was funny. I was going through y'all's portfolio on your website, and I found one that we worked together on. Oh, really? So the Southern Living Idea House back in... 2000, what, like 14 or 15? Yeah, the Phoebe Howard one. I'm pretty sure. It's hard to believe that that was a new new build. That was the spirit. Uh, Terry and his team really uh, embraced that. Phoebe was fantastic and kind of how she did the layering of the interior decorating to work with that. And the idea, the buzzword that we use for that is generational. But it's the idea that you have Mm -hmm. kind of the core seed of that Tennessee farmhouse. And as the family grew and as the house grew over generations, so there's a program. So you can get... 8,000 square feet, 6,000 square feet, and something that looks like 3,000 square feet. And I, and I think that when you do, and that's where the landscape architect comes mm-hmm. into play, because if you're working with the landscape to screen those elements and break the mass down visually, then it really just kind of becomes this rich layering that's not um, ostentatious. It's not uh, gaudy. It, it, it's a big house, but it feels charming and cozy. I do feel like that. that's something that has sort of been lost over time, the idea of hiding yeah. the mass. You know, mm-hmm. you walk in a house and you're surprised at the size once you get inside. Mm-hmm. Where I've, so many houses these days to me are like in it's your face, falling <laughs> into the street almost. Yes. I feel like the house is so giant from the front, and then you get in and it seems small. Right. And I don't understand the why behind why people are doing that as opposed to making it feel more subdued. I think some of it has to do with. Um, it has to do with the the, the economy and the, and the idea of speculative versus kind of the forever home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think some of it has to do with just this, uh, I think, 
a huge amount of information that's available now that wasn't before. So mm -hmm. I think the the filtering or the layering, I mean, everyone just kind of wants to pack it in. It's kind of driven a commodity mindset right. in some market segments. I mean, fortunately for us, I think it's also created um, almost a reverse trend where people mm -hmm. are seeking us out for quality, modesty, right. character. Right. And it lets right. us really modesty kind of, is a great word. And, and, and I think yeah. it's a, you can have a lot and still be modest yes. and, and mm -hmm. not have to show it all at once. Right. And, and I think that layering through the house, I think it's just a richer experience. I mean, it, you let the story unfold as opposed to showing it all off. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. It's like showing a little too much. It's like clothes, what you're talking about. Well, this is like perfect timing because my husband and I have an old ranch and we have thought about it. You know, do we, do we fully knock it down? Cause it's a okay sized lot. So mm -hmm. do we just start over? But I love character. Right. And how do you, how did the two of you build that into? Because that's my biggest fear. Is that, oh, if like, you did a new build, yeah. If, if mm -hmm. we knock this thing down, are we going to feel like the the house that's leaning into the street? Because I yeah. don't, I right. don't want that. Right. Because right. I do love it, but it doesn't function. Right. Our house doesn't function, and like the basement leaks. So I'm like, we need to like, like fully <laughs> right, right. knock this thing down. So how do you? Yeah. I think a ranch. Actually, I think. I mean, you can speak to this. I think those tend to lend themselves to good renovations just because they they're do. just you know kind of now I tore something down because it was a 1979 split level and even though I did a set of plans to renovate it there was really nothing worth saving <laughs> I mean there was no good architectural integrity because we wanted something very different you know a split level was really hard but I think you know again getting the right professional in to look and, and tell you the possibilities of what you already have is is important but I think when you're doing a new build, I mean, you still can add all that because when you hire a team who understands what you're going for, you know, they'll put in the proper detailing to make it feel, you know, not all new and right. They're not going to do like the faux divided light windows. Well, I just I have, like those. I have that? Uh, like <laughs> pop in a little grid in your pane and act like it's a divided light window. Uh, oh, yeah. No, can do. Well, it's just such a, you see these homes, you go into, you know, people that have a new, where it doesn't, it doesn't feel good. Like mm -hmm. you're like, oh, you got a new home, but it doesn't right. feel. And I think that's where maybe the cohesion or the kind of the whole story right. is missing. And, and at times too, it's maybe where they're chasing a style or a look as opposed to an experience. Mm -hmm. And I think when it'll feel good if you have the right proportions and if it's functioning the way it's supposed to function. And I think a lot of that, I think a lot of good aesthetic comes from integrity that you mentioned mm -hmm. earlier and just mm -hmm. sincerity and, and earnestness mm -hmm. with, with the materials you're working with. Mm -hmm. I think if you're just chasing commodity or chasing a look, that can sometimes get away from you. Because when you're talking about, you know, the spaces that you're doing, you know, we're thinking about the materials as well. You know, well, what if this is the style you're looking for, you know, what type of flooring would be in there? What mm -hmm. type of tile? Like this tavern that we just did together. You know, I mean, there was a lot of that. Like, you know, yeah. what would really be in a tavern? And, you know, let's make sure that that's what we put in here. And so I think that makes the project successful because you're thinking about all those decisions and it has integrity. I, you know, I think the biggest thing right now is just the overload of information. And I think, you know, it's great that there's all these TV shows on these, you know, showing design and, and but at the same time, it sets such false expectations. Mm -hmm. Timeline is paramount. And when you're doing a custom home, 
it's going to take time and you shouldn't rush it. Same with custom interiors. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sorry, but a sofa to upholster it or, you know, to get a custom sofa is going to take, you know, 10 to 12 weeks mm -hmm. or, you know. If someone is using their hands to create To it. make it. Right. right. And that's what you yeah. want. You know, right. you don't want, you know, because cool that's what you, Right. <laughs> so I'm sorry that you decided you want to have a party, you know, in two months, but it, why are you rushing your dream? Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What do you say when someone just comes to you with like a laundry list of trends? Like, so and the do reason you fire I'm them <laughs> because we, you're like wrong architect. <laughs> we were no. in this house a while back, and like they had like Tuscan, you know, this, and then like a barn door, and then like shiplap in this whole section of the house, and then like all this, and I'm like, none of this goes. To, like, did someone literally just pin a bunch of things on Pinterest and be like? And I want it all. Dumping it all in And here. that like, happens a lot. All the time. <laughs> but it does. I, but I think asking why, for from an architectural standpoint, mm -hmm. and then from a, right. but, but asking why, what, why do you like this? What is it? And not in a not in a judgmental way, like why the heck would you right. like this? Right. But, <laughs> but more just a what what is it that spoke to you? And, right. and it's funny you can take if they're again they're being honest with themselves. It always surprises me how you can have this kind of very um, diverse portfolio but when you get to the whys there's actually more of a common thread there than you think and mm -hmm. then you kind of use that as a way to get a shared vocabulary then you set that aside and then you develop <laughs> right. a, an aesthetic that works to that and then you can kind of cherry pick some of the things that might be mm -hmm. appropriate but if you just tried to frankenstein the 80 exactly well and that's the thing when you really have to sit through and go through the imagery because you know they may like that ship left room because it's bright not necessarily that they love the shiplap oh, or right. maybe mm -hmm. it's that they like the texture. They like, you know, so there's ways to sort of drill down. But you do. I mean, it's a lot of conversations because yeah. there's a lot to get through these days. And to be fair, we do it, too. <laughs> so oh, we're trying sure. to We're trying to convey a point to a client. And we're early on before we're doing a lot of drawings, we're just trying to kind of bracket. We'll show them a bunch of pictures and mm -hmm. I'll, I'll show a client something. Like, this is amazing, isn't it? Look at this wall. Look at this window. Look at this texture. But I don't like that stair tread. And I have to look at it. I didn't even see a stair. Right. Right? You know, like, it's just amazing what people focus yeah. on. And so you right. really have to talk through each one. Right. How does doing a renovation differ from a new build? Because I know we've um, I sent around the shots of your, I think it was your house in Inman Park. Uh, no, your old house. My old house. Yeah, we actually just got rid of it, sold it this week. So, <laughs> little, yeah, I know it was a hard, hard decision. So, Whoa. We're, <laughs> we're in Garden Hills now and we're loving that neighborhood. But it was, it was Aww, tough. Yeah. It was tough. Well, I was just curious how you approach a renovation of a historic home that you're wanting to keep appropriate versus a new build. Like, how does – if someone is going to renovate their house, their 20s, you know, arts and crafts, like, what, what advice would you give them? Um, similar to, to looking through the photos. Really understand what you love about the house and what is driving you crazy about the house because odds are – if you loved it, you wouldn't be talking to us, you know, completely. So, I mean, there's something you obviously want to change. There's, there's an impetus there. And really kind of making sure that we uh, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, that when we're making the changes, it's more surgical, it's more deliberate. It's not just about, well, we're going to redo everything. And so when you can kind of figure that out, that's when – and there's – 
sometimes work creeps and then it comes kind of back down with budget it ebbs mm-hmm. and flows but when you again it's about lifestyle if you can understand mm-hmm. what they love about the house how it serves them and then you can augment it with, by improving the areas that aren't doing that that job i mean with our house that you saw there people thought it was crazy because we actually reduced the square footage um, but we fit in an extra office and uh, an extra bathroom. It was just poorly used square footage. So back to your point about the ranch, um, there, there's uh, outside of the basement leak. I don't know anything about that, but <laughs> we uh, won't uh, get into it. <laughs> outside of that, um, yeah, there's there's a lot of good bones, especially in those houses because they tended to have more open floor plans and mm-hmm. they were more forgiving in terms of how, uh, other than proportions, the horizontal versus vertical proportions, right. which you can kind of correct. Yeah, I think when you have those bones, you, you figure out how to be selective in what you what you add on to get that lifestyle that they're looking for. What was the smartest thing you did in that renovation, and what was something you regret? Oh, <laughs> I regret that I did some of the work myself early on. That uh. is, uh, <laughs> I'm sure my wife would regret that yeah. too. She's a hero. Thank you, Amanda. Um, <laughs> but um, I would say that uh, really, I think one of the things that I enjoyed the most was just some found pocket spaces. That little office was tiny. It was tight. It was about four by six, but it did everything we needed it to do. Um, it, it had my architecture book collection, which is crazy. My <laughs> wife's collection of uh, spreadsheets and files. She, mm-hmm. she keeps our household <laughs> business together. Uh, our computer. I mean, it was, it was everything there. So understanding that um, experiencing a space on plan versus in 3D, um, you can get mm-hmm. away with some some really quirky little spaces and have them be a lot of fun as long as you're still thinking through the design. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was one of the smallest spaces in the house, but it was probably the most designed in terms of all the nooks and crannies. Um, some of the mistakes, uh, and I think it just comes with being too focused on the architecture and 2D on the elevation versus how you experience it. And, and mm-hmm. when you have to do your own house and you have to do your own furniture layout plan, you learn a lot quickly. And um, that's one of the reasons I enjoy working with great interior designers. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, getting it worked out in 2D, but then also really understanding the 3D experience. Did you not work with an interior designer on your house? I did not, and I'm in my, that, that is being day? corrected on this oh, new house. <laughs> that is being corrected. So tell us about the the new house. You're working together on it, right? Well, we have not started. Yes, we haven't started. That, that is, uh, no, she didn't even know he sold his house. <laughs> well, he had talked to me about helping him renovate mm-hmm. on the old house, so oh, okay. that's why I was like, oh, well, I guess we're not doing that. So <laughs> maybe we're working on the new. <laughs> yeah, not the new. Um, so no, I've, I've worked through the the program. I've gone through my own process, but now I'm kind of I'm not doing the construction documents yet. Mm-hmm. I've got my imagery together. Yes. <laughs> doing his homework. Uh, my wife and I are going to do a thorough clean of our house and get out all the artwork and kind of curate and really right. talk about lifestyle. Um, which mm-hmm. again, I, I do this for a living, but it's a whole different thing when it's your own house. Yes. You, yeah. and, and, so it's so much harder, a, don't you think? I, well, I think you know you have to get be honest with yourself, and I think it's it's a hard thing that we ask our clients to do to really think deep and be honest with themselves. Right. So, I right. appreciate that. I'm not unsympathetic to it, but it's an important part of the process. It is, and like you said, I mean, you know, it's easier to go into a client's home and say, "Well, this piece isn't going to work," but there's no emotional attachment mm-hmm. to that piece for me. Mm-hmm. But again, like going through, I mean, I'm in this major purge moment. I don't know why I just started, and my house is only like three years old, and I'm just going crazy. Like, mm-hmm. why is this here? Why, you know, yeah. why do I still have this? Yeah. When am I going to have people over from fondue? Why did I ever register? Right. <laughs> right. The 15 years that we've been married, I don't think I ever used this. Nothing you know. not at you on that one. Right, <laughs> I know, but it's just like, you know, you just, 
you have to sort of have a reckoning yourself. And like we said, it's easy, you know, to tell your clients they have to do it. And it's, you mm-hmm. know, you have to take your own medicine and you got to yeah. do it yourself mm-hmm. too. So since you built a new house, mm-hmm. is there anything you learned during your project that you didn't know before? And now you're like, oh, okay, when I'm working on a new build, like, I oh, need to- yes. Well, my house um, was all the foundation walls and, you know, the, it was poured five feet into our front yard setback. So I looked at it and thought, it seems the stakes seem closer to the street than I thought they were. But I thought, well, what do I know about that? Well, I should have probably spoken up because <laughs> they poured everything in the wrong spot. So, no way. Yeah, so we actually had to apply for a variance. And it wasn't five inches. It was five feet into our front oh, yard setback. No. So, of oh course, gosh. that delayed. That was a big boo-boo from the survey company, so for sure. So tell me this. Who pays for them? <laughs> well, it's uh, the survey company. We could have had them because they actually, you know, they staked it. They came out and did the box check. And said it was in the right place, and then they gave them the okay to pour this, the all the walls. And um, yes, it was not. Wow. So, because my house is, it's basically one story, and then a you know full daylight basement. Because like I said, I well, I told you guys this that my in laws live in the, <laughs> I have my in laws living in the basement. So of course we had huge retaining <laughs> walls apartment. holding back the apartment, <laughs> not tied, not shackled in the face. Right? <laughs> you can edit that out. Yeah. Oh man, that sounds terrible. Um, <laughs> But, you know, so we had a lot of concrete, and it was going to be a big boo-boo for them had we. And But I just didn't really want to delay it. So if we could work with the city yeah. mm-hmm. to, you know. And our setback was 35 feet. So we were, we're still, we're not on top of the road. Right. So, right, right, so is right. your backyard bigger than, five five feet bigger than it was? Um, yes, but it was already <laughs> huge, very deep. My lot is one of those where when you walk up, people are surprised at the size of the house inside because it's very deep. It's not wide. So it doesn't appear, you know, again, I didn't want to build this, you know, huge monster. monster. Um, You know, we needed things in it and the rooms are definitely overly ample size, but um, it just doesn't feel that way. Mm -hmm. How many square feet do you think a family of four needs? A normal family of four. That is a good question, That is a good well, I'm just saying not an extravagant, gotcha. you know. Gotcha. Right. They right. have normal needs. Normal. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, it's all in, like, perspective. I mean, right. but I think, you know, between three and 4,000 to probably feel. Yeah, and, and I think that uh, you could even do a lot with 2,500. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it just it really depends on. Um, I think one of the biggest things is the, the bedroom suites. Right. Or not. Right. Yeah, the idea of uh, whether each bathroom is ensuite versus Jack and Jill, closet sizes and bedroom sizes, that can drive a lot of the upstairs footprint. But um, yeah, I would say between 2,500 and 4,000. Yeah, 4, mm-hmm. What is the, what is like an optimum size for a bedroom? Because I feel like now sometimes you'll look at a, like we will shoot our catalog in real houses mm-hmm. and I'll go into the bedroom. And I swear it's, it's as house. big as my entire house. And mm-hmm. I'm like, what on earth are you putting in here? So, are people hanging like, out in their bedrooms? This is like a real question. I think I think they, they think they're going to. Yeah. yeah. I think they think it's that they think they're going to like shut fantasy. the door and be like, bye, mm-hmm. family. <laughs> I do. Yeah. And I guess maybe that's like the lifestyle they think they want versus what mm-hmm. they actually have. Right. Because mm-hmm. I don't know how many people have time 
just to sit behind a closed door all day and read well, the newspaper. What kid leaves you alone? Exactly. I know. You know, and, and as a designer, I mean, we see clients, I mean, they're putting breakfast bars in their bedrooms and, you know, I mean, refrigeration, I mean, all this stuff. And I'm thinking, geez, you know, like, you are you ever coming out of your you like stop feet that away. breakfast bar? Yeah, I'm like, what? That's definitely the realities of it. So, I mean, that's what, and that's what we have to go back to why. I mean, when you find right. out if there's one person that's getting up for work, earlier than the next and they're going to grab that breakfast bar or they're going to go to the gym okay then then it makes sense and then you know what it's actually used but if mm-hmm. it's well it'd be nice to get a cup of coffee every now and then right. it'll, you know no. it'll never get it used never gets so we actually try and discourage them from that so yeah. I mean if it doesn't actually hit the lifestyle track mm-hmm. list if it's just a nice to have we'll try mm-hmm. I mean because then it just becomes wasted space yeah right. does anyone have the gall to tell you oh well my friend had one and I thought it was awesome oh. or like I saw this somewhere and it seemed really luxurious and like, you know what I mean? Cause yeah, no, I, and yeah, I try and no. never like to be critical of that. No, but I think you always want to make sure though, that you're validating the mm-hmm. use so right. that you're not, right. it's part right. of standard right. of care yeah. for us, I think, to make sure we're giving them what they need. Not and sometimes that's hard because sometimes I've been brought on projects later where, you know, I mean, I never even met the architect and I'm really being brought in more for the decoration aspect of it. Um, you know, and then you just are sort of like, well, I, you know, this is this is how it is, and you know, and and you can find sometimes that they're not necessarily mm-hmm. happy. And I mean, I've had multiple clients say to me, "Gosh, I wish we would have known about you when we started this project." And I was like, <laughs> mm-hmm. "Yes, because I'm although we do cost money, yeah. we save you money in the end." That's what I always yeah. tell people. Right, yeah. Yeah. it's true. Right. Costly mistakes, because it's no, you know, when you're doing. A house, I mean, things add up quickly and right. it can be very costly. A if you lot make of a pieces mistake. that have to fit together just right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think that's what uh, always kind of concerns me about trends is I think that they're, they're helpful to start the conversation, but I don't want to service a client just based on trends. We need to make mm-hmm. sure that we're servicing it based on their needs. Right. And that mm-hmm. helps. And that's back to the earlier point. I think with the, the interior designers good. on board, it really helps pull the lifestyle needs out of the client better than we can do just on our own. And that gives us the confidence, I think, to have a cohesive design. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing a renovation and you're you're going to the house for the first time, is there anything that either of you see that you're like, oh, yes, this is awesome. Like, I'm so glad this house has this. Or, And I don't know whether that's like beautiful craftsmanship or lots of space or something. Or, and is there anything that you're like, oh, God, this is going to be a challenge? Both, I think, at every house, you you have Mm -hmm. both of those reactions to certain Mm -hmm. elements. Um, And and I think that uh, any kind of craftsmanship detail, if we can salvage it, if it's somewhat coherent, we Mm -hmm. absolutely will try and do that. Because you just can't really recreate. I mean, you can, you know, get close to recreating it, but it has (laughs) a history. So, yeah, it's cool to say, oh, you know, these are original doors, you know. I mean, that's kind of a cool thing. But I find ourselves saying more often than not, oh, that was that 80s moment or, oh, that was that 90s moment. Mm-hmm. I'm never saying, oh, that was that 1930s moment. Like, right. those are the charming right. points. Right, right. right. That's and, what you're keeping. Or people yeah. have taken right. something and poorly renovated it and then you have to fix it. Yeah, right. that's or where I really feel really bad. Right. Ugly right. on or, right. yeah. Well, like my split level. I mean, there really were not, I mean... 
redeeming factor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just a lot. Just a lot. They're challenged just because you can't open up a floor plan because no, they're, they're kind of bisected the yes. way that, that it yes. works. Well, I mean, you have these half levels. So right. I grew up on one of those. Yes. I thought it was super cool when yes. I was eight. Yes. <laughs> so. Well, you know, in a modern, you know, eight-year-old song. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess, you know, maybe, you know, someone more with a more, not that my aesthetic is super traditional, but um, maybe more that contemporary California aesthetic or something would... I don't know, think like, oh, it's retro and cool and I'm right. going to keep it because they have the memories of growing up in something like that. Mine was but... not retro cool. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's actually a whole website and blog like devoted to the conversion Virgin of split, split levels. Level. Yeah. Really? What is it called? Uh, I, I'll, I have to pull, I'll have to pull it up and give it to you. I knew you were going to ask me that. Me. <laughs> yeah. it, it sounds it, like it's called yes. Fix the Split. And, yeah, there, and there's a whole... It, it should be. I think that it, it might actually is it? be it. Is it? But it's, it's out of Minneapolis because there's like a, a, a point, there's a lot of them there and we came across it from some of our planning work. I'll show with you. That's pretty awesome. There's actually some really cool ideas <laughs> in there. I'm sure they did some good ones, but we just felt like we were, you know, by the time we were going to have to make some compromises and by the time you're spending that kind of money, you're like, well, I don't know that I want to compromise on that. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Just start so, I mean, because we did a whole set of plans. I mean, I wasn't just like, oh, we just got to get rid of this house and knock it down. I mean, that's not really our mentality. So definitely not my husband's because he's like what what do you mean we're gonna knock down a house <laughs> what does that cost yeah it's a lot cheaper than you think yeah. <laughs> that's the quick part of the job. i know it's really yeah, fast exactly. <laughs> well should we do our customer dilemmas yes oh, our yes. listener dilemmas let's dilemmas. solve some problems you yes. brilliant people melinda's very lucky because she gets to have y'all's advice Okay, she writes and she says, Hi, ladies. I've been enjoying your podcast for a while now. Thanks. Please help me redo this bathroom and get a start on my daughter's room. I'm not including a photo of her room since she just graduated from UGA and everything will go where she moves out. For inspiration... Will go when she moves when out. She, She's going to ditch all of her daughter's <laughs> stuff, which is smart. I would do that too. <laughs> for inspiration redoing my daughter's room, I'm starting with an uber colorful crazy quilt made by my great-grandmother. And I used your room planner to... Get a sense of the room if I switch to two twin beds. I don't love loud rooms, so I plan to leave the walls. And she put that it's the same color they are, which is like Mm -hmm. a neutral bisque color. Okay. Mm -hmm. And light tan carpet, staying mostly neutral, calm, letting the quilt be the star. Any suggestions you have on the furniture, bedding, window treatments, color scheme, or rug to get me beyond the quilt would be great. This bathroom is a Jack and Jill, and it links a blue and yellow guest room with my daughter's room. Since both the quilt and the other room have blue, I'm going for a simple blue and white cream color scheme, but I have but have picked a really bold blue, and she puts the Benjamin Moore Lucerne from your recent catalog <laughs> color, so that something in the addition to the quilt is colorful. And then she says, on a recent podcast, y'all joked about an engineer husband who doesn't want to spend on decorating. That's my (laughs) husband, too. Mm -hmm. So I'm DIY, low-budget, decorate overtime gal. My ideas for the bathroom so far are paint the whole room lucerne. I love how it makes the red-orange pop in my previously boring set of botanicals. Make a wood-stained frame for the mirror. Replace the vanity light fixture with a larger one. Make a relaxed Roman shade as a balance with leftover fabric shown sideways. And then she says, I'd like to adopt the southern the southern love of monograms 
with a monogram shower curtain. What do you think? I love the Amelie shower curtain, but I don't think any of the colors look right. Perhaps navy in the Suzanne Kassler shower curtain. And what do I do about the rugs towels styling the counter? Ma'am, Melinda. Thank you, thank you, Melinda. <laughs> you are getting your money's worth with she this has, dilemma. Yeah. <laughs> so was- she has, I'm going to describe our photos. She has not sent a photo of the, the daughter's bedroom, but she did send a floor plan, um, which looks to be about... 12 by 13 feet, 4 inches. Um, And she wants to put two twin beds in there. One of the walls has two windows. One of the walls has two closet doors. One of the walls has a door to the hall. And one has a door to the bathroom. There's a lot of walls being interrupted. Yes. Yes. Clearly, she did not have you working there (laughs) to give her some nice wall space. And then she has this Jack and Jill bathroom, which um, she's trying to, you know, tie these two rooms together with it right now. She has a very, very strong, bold floral shower curtain. Um, But the rest of the bathroom looks neutral. So, you know, you pull that down and really it's a blank canvas. So, and the quilt... I'll just describe the quilt. It's similar to something that actually I think I have somewhere in my house that my great-grandmother made, which is it's it looks like it's a lot of um, uh, irregular-shaped, almost sort of abstract-feeling um, collection of solid, bold colors, and it, and it looks like it might be quite large, maybe even a queen-size quilt that she's going to frame and put on the wall. So she wants to make everything anchor around that, mm-hmm. right? Yes. All right, go. Solve it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> Um, so I was looking at the pictures and I know that she mentioned, uh, the shower curtain and I did take a look at the colors and I do actually think because her tile in there is tan that I thought that she could do that shower curtain that she originally liked, the Amelie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, in the tan color, I think that that would be really nice and pop against the blue and then sort of bring in a little bit of the floor color. Um, do you like a really strong color like that in the bathroom? I do. I like, I don't know if you've seen much of my work, but it's pretty bold. (laughs) I do. I do personally. Now, I do whatever my clients want, but personally, um, I I go go bold. That's right. Um, And that blue that she mentioned is mm -hmm. like a pretty dark, like sapphire kind of color. Yes. Mm -hmm. Just for anyone that doesn't happen to know what's happening. It is. Because it makes it feel cozy. And I think that the fabric she has for her balance... um, you know, it again, it has a neutral background and it's going to bring some of that blue in. So I think balancing, you know, I think it would be good to have sort of that larger white element in the shower room, curtain. the shower curtain. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I was thinking, and as I was looking, um, I sometimes like to do outdoor rugs in bathrooms because, you know, That's they're mildew resistant. Yes. It works great. It does. It works great. Mm-hmm. You know, if you drop makeup like or something mat. on it, you can... Wash it off. It doesn't feel like a bath mat. It gives mm-hmm. you a lot more options as far as designs go. Um, and so I was actually looking, and um, I thought that the scroll bath mat, I mean the scroll outdoor rug that uh, Ballard's has in ivory was really pretty uh, because it had some of that same scroll motif that would tie in her balance, mm-hmm. but it's tonal, right. so it wouldn't compete with the valance fabric, but okay. it would sort of bring in that same, again, looking for that vocabulary. She has that scroll pattern, and now we're going to bring introduce that on the floor, but in a much, you know, subtler way. So, like, one in front of the shower and one in front mm-hmm. of the... Yes. Where the sink like, is. a lot of times, because her vanity does look like, even though it's a, just a single sink, it is um, a decent size, mm-hmm. sometimes you can get away with the runners, 
Right. Um, but not having dimensions on the bathroom, you know, I would just um, advise her to take take out a tape measure and, you know, just see what's going <laughs> to yeah. kind of fit. Mm-hmm. But um, I love that you've done homework. I know. Like I was about to be like, you're killing it. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I like it. <laughs> right? Now, on to the bedroom. Oh, the bedroom. The twin mm-hmm. beds. Well, you know, looking at the plan, and Andrew, you can kind of chime in on this. I think, um, you know, I think we have sort of mentioned this, but having the bathroom door between the headboards, I do not think is ideal necessarily. I don't like the feng shui of that. It's a big challenge as I was looking Uh, at that, because even when you open up the door, the way that I understand the bathroom to work, you would be looking directly at at the the toilet. toilet. And so, I mean, to, you're kind of framing this view with the headboards. It could be, if you were actually looking at the, at the vanity, it could look right. charming. It's right. a mirror. could mm-hmm. add depth and perception to the whole room. Right. Instead, you're going to be focusing on something that you don't necessarily want to focus on. <laughs> so I, th- I think that that's a, a little bit of a challenge in the mm-hmm. furniture arrangement, for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. So. so what does she do? Does she do? Does she ditch the twins and do a queen? Does she move the twins to under a Like... The, I have to say, why can't they be on the window wall? Well, that's what I was wondering. She has them pushed far, almost to the edges, the corners of the room. Push them close together. Have them share one nightstand on the window wall. I don't know. I think the problem is this door. Which door are you pointing at? This door that's in the corner. Like if this is the window while you're talking about putting the bed. There's only one. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So Uh wouldn't the door open into your bed? It depends. I guess you have to move those things around and see. I can't quite tell. And that's something that I would, from an architectural standpoint, look at in the closets is the idea of, can you knock out one of those walls and make it a shared closet? closet. And I mean, I think you start saying walls and people get very nervous. Yes. But there are a lot of non-structural walls and the Mm -hmm. ability to knock down some studs and drywall and build new is actually... Not as cost prohibitive as you think, and that's where okay. you can really change the shape and layout and feel of a space. So you're saying remove the door closest to the window. Yes. And right. make it one big closet. Yes. Right. And, and then that would allow you to still have the bed closets. up against on either side. Yes. With actually an even bigger shared nightstand or desk in between. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that idea a lot. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, and you know, Ballard's does have some really great twin beds. Um, I do. Uh, the one that I have always liked and have always wanted to use. Ooh. Um, <laughs> Ooh, let's hear it. Love it. Is the uh, Regina. Yes. Oh. It's a Suzanne, isn't it? I don't know. Is that both? It no, it's the black and it's. And to me, I thought it would be. Oh, it's the new metal oh, one. It's the metal. metal. Yeah. It's the so metal. It's rocking, maybe? Yes. yes. <laughs> I love that one. So I sort of felt with the quilt because there are some darker patches mm-hmm. in the quilt mm-hmm. that if you did sort of that dark headboard and kept the bedding you know again neutral but maybe a throw that had some color to it um that's a nice idea yeah like <clears throat> like the the bed the darkness of the bed which is like sort of a bronzy kind mm-hmm. of color would balance how dark because this quilt is very right. dark it has I mean, a sort of a very dark border it almost yes. looks maybe. like red right. velvet maybe. you need to have you know you do need to have balance in a room so mm-hmm. if you have such a strong dominant element that's going to be this big focal point you do want something to sort of you know help ground it um, and so I thought that that, mm-hmm. you know, could be a good, while you could still keep it feeling light and neutral with the bedding being light, but I think that, you know, having something to feel, it wouldn't compete. It would just, if your eye, if you only had the quilt, it's like your eye would always just sort of go to that and right. not feel like it had another resting point in the room. So it this kind of gives you a counterbalance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I like it. Yeah. 
Try yeah, try on the floor plan moving those beds around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just don't like the idea of having my head board on the bathroom wall. I don't know why. Of course, in my bedroom right now, I think my headboard's on the bathroom wall, and it doesn't bother me. <laughs> it, could, it could be charming if that if view, if it yes. could be a pocket door, you could leave it open, and you're looking at the vanity and the mirror right. beyond. I think that's really, it's it's a big difference in terms of what is, what are you setting up as an important view, and what is terminating that view? Yeah. Right. It has to be thought through. That's, right, exactly. That's so Good true. point. Because <laughs> the door will be open. Cause, yes, it will. Because she, uh, I wonder, does she really have to have twins? Like, if you aren't, wild about the closet idea then maybe you You could do a queen queen. yeah Yeah. you could yeah Yeah, for sure yeah anyways Mm -hmm. because who likes to sleep in a twin unless you're having kids over or couples Mm -hmm. that hate each other your Mm -hmm. your daughter's going to come back from college at some point I no. mean, to stay with you. Oh, not okay. like not parents. Parents. <laughs> parents' kids are not allowed back. Uh, like, no, 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 I mean, like, you know, she changes the locks <laughs> after they leave. You don't have a bed anymore. Sorry. <laughs> a retinal scan now. <laughs> All right, um, we have one more. Yes. Oh, this is from a girl named Karen. Yes, this, this is from Karen. Did I try to, like, We'll find out if this is your same one. Okay. Um, she says, I just found your podcast, and I love listening to it. I've been a Ballard Designs fan for years, and it is so fun to hear that the inspiration and if this question gets on air I have to say my sister Ashley is the one who told me about it so Ashley my question revolves around my kitchen and while I know you don't normally get into kitchens so much I was wondering if you could help give some direction we bought this house three years ago knowing someday we want to do a major overhaul in the kitchen tear down walls change the flow in general However, this past winter, I went to part-time to be with my kids, and so a major renovation is off the table for now. However, I still loathe my kitchen, (laughs) and I want to make some updates that will help us enjoy it for the next several years while we focus on our kids. See my pictures below. The cabinets not shown are floor-to-ceiling cabinets and fridge that was paneled to look like a cabinet. So I have a few questions. The first one, would you recommend painting the cabinets? Bum that they are curvy design but can't afford new ones two i love the trim size but wonder if i should paint that too and one and what to do what do you do with the walls then it's beautiful wood but just isn't me really the room feels pretty dark you see the outside wall and the other sides go into our garage family room and dining room so it's not in direct sunlight for three walls it just seems to be two colors okay i think i love the trim size but she's is she talking about her whole kitchen is trimmed in the same wood so i think she's just talking about the wood trim yeah okay yeah she's got a lot of wood going on yes Mm -hmm. yes a lot of wood and then the walls are painted green but the trim and the all the cabinets cabinets are the brown and doors everything's Mm -hmm. wood okay Thank you, Karen. Mm. Um, her third question is, should I keep the brass knobs or go silver? Four, anything else you'd bring the, bring the kitchen closer to 2018 rather than 1993 <laughs> when it was last this updated? This looks like my high school kitchen. I love it, it, right? It looks like my parents' kitchen at home. Yeah. Um, and then the last question is, the chandelier is in the center of the ceiling, but the table is not, so we can use so that we can use the door. Should I replace with a chandelier or a, f- a flesh mount? All right. Um, and then she asked, lastly, though, is it worth investing time and some money now to yes. kind of update it, or mm-hmm. should we just hold yes. out for the next 15 no. years? Do not hold out you for the next You are living your life right years. now, Karen. Do not loathe your kitchen for 15, 15 years. 15 years of hate. You to make yeah, this I adorable. Say that I don't actually hate these cabinet doors. I don't like them. <laughs> I mean, is it what I would pick now? No, but, like, they're not. It's odd that the up ca- upper cabinets have the knob in the center of them. 
mm-hmm. instead of at the bottom, right? Yeah. No, mm-hmm. architect. No, I, I would definitely <laughs> yeah. put it down low. I mean, yes. I'm six four, so it doesn't bother me too much. But I think a lot of my clients would not be happy. I might not be. I, I might not, not be. I couldn't reach it. Yeah. It's a very, you know, 90s kitchen. It's got, like, she's sort of a sage green wall, wood floors, wood cabinets, Mm -hmm. sort of a white countertop, I think, and then uh, wood windows and wood doors. The countertop must be laminate, I'm assuming, because it's trimmed in wood. Yeah, that's one quick tell right there. A black microwave and black dishwasher. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. From an architectural standpoint, and I'll just throw this out here and... This would be great to hear what you think. Good back and forth. I think the thing that really bothers me or draws my eye away is that band of green at the top. I think that no matter what you paint the the cabinets Mm -hmm. or um, what you do with the hardware, it's always going to feel like your horizon line is chopped off. Mm -hmm. And if there's any way with either paint or over panels to unify that top band Mm -hmm. to feel part of the cabinetry, I mean, if it was going to be a renovation, I would tell the clients to rip that soffit out and do true cabinetry all the way to the true ceiling but as, as a as a bridge before they do that and again not knowing the budget i'd look at just replacing the doors taking the doors off the hinges getting new new doors yes. and then looking at some kind of panel detail over the soffit and then on the far uh right where the soffit kind of overhangs mm-hmm. creating a, a cabinet end that could either be a display cabinet or right. a china cabinet or just some way to kind of bring that leg down yes and then um and then take out the scroll work because that's not helping your that's what I was gonna say, take that issue out. at all. No. The, the scroll work above the kitchen sink, there's like a little... It's, just, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a, a one it's by a balance, piece. Like yeah, a scroll it's a scroll wrap balance. It's got some decorative detail. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. not it's adding anything. Pop that sucker off. Yes. You could. That, I mean, 30 oh, yes. seconds. That's, yeah. t- that's tacked on. No Why did they do the long soffit? Like that above the cabinets. Um, yeah. Or the... Because oh, I mean, sometimes there is... Sometimes you do have HVAC like or something. You're hiding ductwork. But a lot of times it's just because they don't want to do talk cabinets. And I don't think it was a big thing in the 90s, was it? It do? wasn't. It wasn't. And this is actually a step up from a lot of kind of more of the builder homes at that period would have literally just left it as a dust shelf and put a basket right. there. Or right. Or right. I mean, Not to Ooh, eat Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Right. Fake yes. Fake right. Vines. So this is... I mean, and, and there is a really nice crown detail. And I... And and I think maybe that was a trim that she was talking about. So yes. the scale of that is great. But if you could unify that crown with that soffit, with yes. the panels all as one color and really mm-hmm. kind of make it feel integrated to the wall, then the verticality of the doors and the rest of the room, it would just change the perception of the it space. It would. It would. I would totally agree with you. Let me ask you, what do you think about painting the trim? Uh, I would I would paint the trim. Yes, yes. I would definitely paint the trim. I would agree. Get painted. It does. Except the wood The floor. doors, the crown, the... The floor molding, all of it, like the doors too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you could. I, I, I could see the doors and the in the windows if you just. Yes. If you really love that. You, you could, could leave, leave the, the slabs as an accent, but paint mm-hmm. the trim yep. and tie into the room. Because mm-hmm. we do that a lot, like where you know the trim, the trim indoors don't necessarily have to match. You know, and right. sometimes mm-hmm. it is nice to have that contrast of a darker door with lighter trim. That's right. And it makes them look more interesting than they are. Right. You know, mm-hmm. right now. I think she just paints the whole thing like cream or whatever. Just paint every darn thing in this kitchen and then wait 15 years. That's what I would do. But she does have a black microwave and dishwasher. And yeah. if But I don't know, yeah, you know. That. Okay. I think that She's honestly like if you eventually. could, you yeah. know, paint everything lighter. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, you know, get rid of that little 
balance or whatever that doohickey that is. Wood. Snip yeah. the doohickey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get rid of that little... I There's don't some... have more of an architectural term <laughs> for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really like a That's doohickey. not the character you're looking <laughs> no. for. No. no. Um, we're not putting those in these days. <laughs> we're, we're not. hard to get close to see what our hardware is, but if I guessed, I would guess it looks very dated. And it uh-huh. doesn't, the finish doesn't matter if it's brass or if it's silver. I, I bet it's that like I think it has that back, it has that back, scrolly back yes. plate. And yeah. that mm-hmm. is also looks like yeah. yeah, she does need to update that hardware. Mm-hmm. Yeah, throw that away. Go on the Ballard website. We have amazing hardware and pick some You do just have it. doesn't matter what simple. Good hardware. I would just get something real simple. I do think it, you know, if you could look at, because I think a lot of times people assume that it's going to be so expensive to replace doors, but it it really isn't. It's, I mean, you keep just, the box, so you're keeping your cabinet box, and right. you're just replacing the doors. And it, the boxes can be painted. And I would say probably based on the fact that they didn't go to the ceiling, that these are standard size boxes that would be easy to find replacement doors for. Yes. Probably from a, from a variety of sources. So I you, Is it creepy to only change the top ones and leave the bottom ones? Yeah? I, you know, if you're, you're only talking about uh, 0.5 doors. And yes. I don't know what's on the island. Uh, it looks like from the side, drawers, it's all drawers. drawers. So you're talking about five base cabinet doors. Cause I mean, the, the drawers are, are plain front. Yeah. I, for, for five more doors, I would, I would yeah. do it. Just do it. Yeah. Okay. Just I buy one like... a month. And then at the end of the year, you're going to have enough. Then get them painted and installed. You could do the installment plan. You could. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and then the thing too, is that if you have the new, you know, doors, then you can move where your hardware location is exactly. without having to fill the holes. I mean, you can still do it if you're just going to paint them, but you're going to have to to fill the holes. And okay, what about the countertops and the backsplash? Because is okay. the backsplash tiles? It just white. It looks tiles? like it's just a neutral I can tile. I live with that. I Here's the thing. I will say that I can't live with that wood panel. <laughs> Well, yeah. my kitchen had laminate countertops, mm-hmm. and I originally thought when we bought our house that I would need to replace them immediately. But they're kind of like this color, like they're kind of a beige, and I really don't bother. They don't bother me. They're fine. Go away. But if she's not doing her kitchen for fifteen years, but she doesn't I, have to do it immediately. Like she could do all the painting, then she could wait two years, and then she could do her countertop. You know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, so, so what do you suggest she does for a countertop? Does she go ignore it? Like, oh, you mean eventually when she yeah. does it? Oh. Mm-hmm. So you're saying she just paints for now and gets new doors. Two years from now, she gets new countertop. Yeah. 15 years from now, she does. She be, knocks it all down. Before she gets saying? into the countertop, because that can be a pretty significant mm-hmm. expense, mm-hmm. that's where I would be asking a lot of whys and hows. How right. is she using it? Because if you're going to make that, do you Just do wait. the L or yeah. do you do a galley style on both sides and put it in an island? There, mm-hmm. There'd be bigger questions on functionality, service, and how it's working for the family right. before I take that step. But Don't when you're talking about money. the hardware and the, and the cabinet fronts, mm-hmm. I think that's a good short-term mm-hmm. fix. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And I think it will have a huge impact. Agreed. You know, I mean, huge impact. So I don't think the counters and, you know, the appliances and all that's mm-hmm. really going to be bothersome. Uh, the, the I would move the light fixture, though. I agree. That's not a, a it's big... It's a strange place. No. It's not expensive. I mean, that's it's, not... A, no. Have an electrician come move the J-Box mm-hmm. and yeah, get it and centered, centered over, your table, over your table. And Does an we'll electrician it patch it, too? Or no? They just move no, the she box. Says, she, she says she's handy. She can patch it. Okay. I, I mean, for that size patch, I mean, that you can honestly go to the hardware store and get the patch. Yeah, and, if you're getting the whole thing painted, do want, that before you get yeah. your whole kitchen painted. Yes. Then when they paint it, they'll do your ceiling yes. and everything and it'll all match. Just make sure the painter sands it and gets it smooth. But yes, other than that, get it I mean, smooth. The sanding is the key on, on that mm-hmm. one, but mm-hmm. a good painter will take care of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think part of the other thing that kind of the only thing that's throwing me in, in 
this is more your lane than mine, Kristen, but it just it feels like it's an arts and crafts color scheme and material mm-hmm. scheme, but the details are quasi classical mm-hmm. and sometimes with the with the rosettes more almost victorian so <laughs> yes. there's a little bit of um this is this is where chasing trends chasing pinterest pages and putting it together by picking one of those three and going right. with it i think would be um so if you want i, I don't recommend this because i think it's past its prime again but if you're going to go craftsman if she absolutely loved that that wood then you've got to get more shaker style cab. You, you've yes. got to kind of be all in. The tile has got to be more craftsman style. The coloring, you've got to finish the thought. Or if you're going to go with a cleaner look and a more contemporary or, or mm-hmm. even light classical mm-hmm. traditional look, then the hardware's got to match. It, it, there's five competing things and they're subtle, but they're cues that I think don't work right, together. Right. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and if I'm going off our furniture, it's more kind of, you know, with the bistro chairs mm-hmm. and, you right. know, so that to me. It's sort of a trestle table or yes, yeah, tr- right. That's your mm-hmm. farmhouse table. That, but, but her a, light doesn't go with that. Her, no, the light her doesn't at light all. Doesn't look like that goes with the vibe of what she's doing below mm-hmm. with the table and chairs. So that that's where we would start to try and understand, and then both mm-hmm. the aesthetic, kind of what what do you like about each of these elements, and then also what is it telling you? Kind of what is that right. that seating arrangement tell you about lifestyle? How does that work back to the kitchen? Mm-hmm. Even when we're helping people with small steps. I think it's important to almost have a little master plan of what the future could be right. mm-hmm. so that they're not wasting money even on the incremental pieces. Right, mm-hmm. just working yeah. through each of those steps. So can that's you really find, important. So you from know. a, even find, so, so say this is us, how do you, so can't afford it right away. Do you, can we already go to someone like both of you guys and be like, I have a long-term plan, but I want, I can financially do sections. Can you do like the kitchen? And then do in pieces. We th- mm-hmm. we actually as a service, I, I think that um, we'll do conceptual work where we won't get the construction documents, and then we'll work with right. interior designers to do that. They kind of just draw it out it, because it, by the time you, and it's an hourly point. By the time you draw it all out from a just conceptual design standpoint, it doesn't cost that much more. Right. Um, but it it can be a roadmap, so they can start to get some sense of ballpark pricing, mm-hmm. some sense of phasing. Are you going to live in the house during that renovation or not? Is it feasible to live in the house during this right. portion? Right. I mean, that, that's actually how we, the last project that we worked on together, right. how that started out. And the client, there were some things that from day one they said, we are going to do this from day one. They put it on a six-month hold. Other things that weren't a priority, when we showed them how it all worked together, became, became a priority. A priority. Right. So they, that, I, I think that whole vision is really important because it really helps clients make value decisions, mm-hmm. both on their time and their money. Mm-hmm. And I always, I mean, I tell clients that. I mean, I get it. It costs a lot of money to yeah. do this. So, you know, and not everybody, I mean, you know, people would love to have unlimited funds and be able to do all this work. But I am always adamant that if, you know, if you're hiring me and we're looking at the house, like we need to look at the whole thing because we do need to come up with the plan, the vision for the entire space. And whether that's done, you know, now, later, like Andrew's talking about doing the conceptual drawings. I mean, I think you have to have that plan. I mean, it's just like you're planning your life where you're going to go to college. You know, I mean, you, you have a roadmap. And so even when you're making decisions on buying, maybe you do want to add a piece of furniture, but you're like, well, geez, well, here's kind of this, you know, this is what I really like. This is going to, yeah. you know, sort of help you inform those decisions. Right. And stay focused probably, because if you have your roadmap, then you know, like, all right, buying this 
sofa doesn't make sense right. because of my road map, I need a sectional. So I'm not going to spend. <laughs> Even though this is on sale. You know, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, like you can. Hopefully the road map avoids 4 a.m. calls. Right. <laughs> 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 Hopefully no one's calling me about the road map. towards not getting called at 4 a.m. I don't want to be called yeah. at 4 a.m. I know. I, yeah. I know. It is. I do sometimes struggle with the. Uh, with okay nobody has died you know it is i get it it's upsetting that your sofa didn't arrive today but no lives were lost (laughs) and it's coming tomorrow (laughs) it might kill me my life might be lost yes Well, thank you all so much. This has been a lot of fun. Yes, it's a lot of fun. Thanks so much. Will y'all share where people can find you follow you see your work all that good stuff yeah Ah, sure. Uh, Andrew.Kogar at historicalconcepts.com and uh, www.historicalconcepts.com. Our IT guy has a long domain name. I yeah. apologize. For that. <laughs> and Kogar is C-O-G-A-R. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm um, Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-I-N at K, the letter, Kongdesigns.com. I don't know why I did that. K-Kong. <laughs> And um, website www.kkongdesigns.com and Instagram and Twitter are the same, Kkong Designs. So All right. come follow me. I love them. Come follow me. So sultry. Thank you all again. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you so much. All right. That's our show. Thank you so much for listening. You can leave us a review in your podcast app. We would love to read it. And of course, subscribe to the show so it downloads straight to your phone. The show notes for each episode are at howtodecorate.com slash podcast. And um, follow us on social media. And very exciting news. We are, or the How to Decorate podcast is now a skill on your Alexa. That's right. So you can just ask Alexa to play the How to Decorate podcast after you go and enable it under the skills on Amazon.com. Yes. Super easy. Super easy. And that way you can listen whenever you're just sitting around cooking or whatever you're doing around the house. Tell Alexa to play the How to Decorate podcast and your life will be so much easier. Exactly. (laughs) Okay. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. Happy happy decorating. decorating.